Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. I want to talk about the Good Samaritan this morning. Everyone roll their eyes, not another Good Samaritan message. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking, how can I bring it fresh? So here it is, a priest and a Levite and a Samaritan, they all walked into a bar. And the barman said, why the long face? No, we, I, why don't you turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer. Now, a lawyer was, these are the, the scribes, you know, the, of the Jewish scribes, probably a Levite, stood up and tested him. That's Jesus saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he, Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So the lawyer said this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbour as yourself. And he, Jesus, he said to him, well, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But then he, the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, well, and who is my neighbour? And Jesus tells this story. And the story is, remember, this is a parable. This didn't actually, it didn't happen, it's it's a parable. And uh, in Jesus' choices of characters in this, quite fascinating considering uh, who he was speaking to and who who he chose. Uh, You know, probably an outrageously offensive choice of people. For, for this parable for, to, to be speaking to the scribe. And so Jesus said, um, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Jesus said to the the lawyer, he said, So which of these three do you think was neighbour to him who fell among the thieves? And he said to him, He who showed mercy on him. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, sharper that can pierce between soul and spirit. And we surrender to your word this morning and ask that you speak to us, that you bring fresh insight, that you reveal truth to us, and that my words would fall to the floor, but the revelation of heaven would pierce the hearts and the minds of each of us here. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. To me, you know, if I were to title this message, I'd, you know, I'd title it, What Will Happen? Dot, dot, dot. Because to me, this whole parable just instills questions. And, you know, 
questions about every element of it. Why did Jesus make the good guy a Samaritan when he's talking to a Jew? And what would that have meant to this lawyer? It's believed that the Samaritan, they descended you know, from the Jews that married the Assyrians. And, um, you know, while they were in exile, so they were like the half-breeds of, of, you know, of, the, um, of that area. And uh, they, so they were considered not of the same race of the Jews, and there's great... So then they had this great controversy, didn't they? We spoke about it recently, that, the, um, that they did believe that, that, that worship should happen on, in different places, some in Jerusalem and, some, and the Samaritans said in Mount Jezreel. And so there was this embittered relationship, you know, that they would have no dealings with one another. So for the fact that Jesus used the good guys as Samaritan would have been um, highly inappropriate um, in that conversation. But, but Jesus, um, you know, in his wisdom, he's, he's always speaking to the multiple layers of life. Consider the, the priest and the Levi, you know, would um, touching this half-dead man have left them ceremonially unclean. Is that why they walked past? They walked past because if they wouldn't have been able to, they would have been unclean and not been able to go and perform their duties at the temple. Imagine the questions that the priests and the Levite asked of themselves. If I stop and help this man, what will happen to me? Did the beaten man do something to provoke the beating? Consider the Samaritan. What question did he ask himself? He didn't ask himself what would happen to him. He asked himself, what will happen to this man if I don't stop? Keep in mind, this is a parable. A parable is like a long metaphor. And Jesus is painting a picture for us to, you know, to, to understand um, the layers and keep in mind what question is Jesus answering? The answer, Jesus is, we, we think about, um, it's about helping the poor and those things, but what was the first question? What must I do to inherit eternal life? So this is a parable, uh, you know, it's about eternal life, isn't it? And, and today, you know, as we consider these questions, what will happen to me? What will happen to him? You know, we, when we look at all these layers, what, why don't we take to look, a look today from a different perspective, from the perspective of the initial question. How do I, how shall I, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And to look at that, we need to consider it from a different perspective. We need to consider it from the perspective of the wounded man. And then later we'll take it from the perspective of the innkeeper. Anyone ever thought of the Good Samaritan from the perspective of the innkeeper? It's an interesting consideration. So remember the question, it's about eternal life. So like this, this man, like this wounded man, all of humanity, uh, you know, before we receive Christ, we're half dead. We're living here on earth, but we don't have this, this, this other thing called eternal life. It's a great metaphor, isn't it? Half dead. It's a great metaphor for dead in sin. We're lacking eternal life. We have life on earth. We're breathing here, but we don't have eternal life yet. And, and the, the priest and the Levite who walked past, they represented the old covenant. They represented man's, you know, the, man's effort to help people. 
And man's effort has boundaries. You know, when they, when they saw this guy, he was half dead. Maybe he looked all the way dead and it was illegal, it was illegal for, a, for a Jew to touch a dead body. And if they were, they were unclean. They had to go outside of the camp and wash their hands under the hyssop leaf and separate for, for a period of time before they could become ceremonially clean again. So the priest and the Levite who walked past were unable to give this guy life. And the parallel is no matter what we do in life, you know, there's no words of a person, there's no help from a human, there's nothing that our government can do our, you know, that, that can actually solve the brokenness that you have. There's nothing that, 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 can happen, that, that we can do in our own efforts that can give us eternal life. So we move on. We walk by. You know, we give these guys a hard time. They're like, look, there's nothing we've got we can do for this guy. So God asks himself this question. If I do not stop to help humanity, what will happen to them? So what does God do? He sends his son, Jesus, the good Samaritan. To rescue humanity from certain death. And what does he do then? He rescues him. Jesus comes and liberates us. And then once you've had this, you've had a moment with Jesus, you've accepted him as Savior, then what does he do? He takes you to an inn. Let's call the inn the church. He takes us to the church for refreshment, for healing. How? Through baptism, through communion, through community, through discipleship. You know, we continue in this healing process because Jesus, what happened then? When Jesus dropped him at the inn, he went away. What did Jesus do? He came and, and dealt with our sin. He dealt with us in the immediate and then he, what? he ascended. Jesus ascended like the good Samaritan left. But what happened when he ascended? He said, don't worry, I will return. But in the meantime, while you're at the inn, while you're in church, why don't you look after one another? While you're gathered together in between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming, why don't you look after each other? Why don't you share and break bread together? Why don't you, you pursue Christ together? Why don't you sharpen one another? Why don't you offend one another and then forgive one another and see the healing that comes out of repentance and forgiveness? See, when, when, the good, when the good Samaritan left, it was like Jesus' ascension. But what did he say? What did he say when he left? He says, I will return. And if, if, you, you know, if I didn't leave you enough, if the two denarii, if the gift that I gave you is not enough to look after him, when I return, I will pay you in full. You see, most of us at some point in our lives are like the, the poor, distressed traveller beaten up by life, circumstance, by some enemy, wounded. Eternally, we are all utterly unable to help ourselves. There's nothing you can do. You cannot pull yourself up by your own bootstraps when you're in your eternal, in, for eternal life. Imagine the lawyer, the protector of the law, hearing this. Jesus is basically saying to this guy, look... The law 
and the, the lawyers were the protectors. They were, you know, they were the constitutional lawyers of their day, these, these, the scribes. You know, and they were, he was saying, look, the law and its rulings can only judge. The law and its rulings have no capacity for compassion. So when the priest and the Levite who, who, who walked past the certain man who was wounded who were the protectors of the law, had to look at this man through the eyes of the law. And because the law has no compassion, they could do nothing for this man. And they continued to walk past him. They had no compassion. The law gives us no relief. The law passes by on the other side. No mercy, no grace. But Jesus, but Jesus, that good Samaritan, has compassion on us. We read in Psalm 147, 3, it says, He, he gathers together the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Remember Jesus talking to a lawyer, right? So the parable disrupts the law and all of the precedents that were established out of the judgment. You see the Jews, you know, they've got the 600 and whatever laws of the, of the Torah, but then they've also got some 5,000 pages of the Talmud, which is um, the judgments handed down since then, called precedent. You know, we see, we see you know, countries have constitutions and then, and then precedents happen. We just saw the, the American um, High Court, Supreme Court, um, dismissed the, the old Roe v. Wade um, case. And, the, you know, and they're saying that, well, that, that, you know, they're saying this judgment, you know, you need to go back and look at the Constitution because sometimes we make a judgment and that judgment becomes um, the standard in our lives. And sometimes the Lord wants us to go back to the beginning, he wants us to go back to, to beforehand and, and see what God is saying. You see, Jesus didn't pour oil and wine on our wounds. He poured out his blood. You see, when we pour oil on something, when we pour wine on something, you know, it deals with the infection and deals with the, with the, with the wound. But it only deals with it for a moment. When Jesus shed his blood, it was one sacrifice for all eternal life. Romans 8, we read this, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Here we go, here's the verse. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son. The priest and the Levite, could do nothing for this man because they were limited by the framework of the law. But the Lord took it to another level by sending his son, the good Samaritan, to liberate us, what? From the law of sin and death. The law was unable because touching the man may have left them ceremonially unclean. 
But Christ, however, is moving us beyond the old legal requirements and is extending his mercy to those in need. Let's consider that. Let's consider the uh, innkeeper for a minute. In between the first coming and the second coming, in between, in between the good Samaritan taking the guy to the inn and returning again to pay to pay the bill, he leaves him at the innkeeper. Let's consider what that means if the inn is the church and the innkeeper are the believers in the church. See, when Jesus came, he died on the cross, he rose on the third day and he ascended into, in, in, into heaven and he left his Holy Spirit. And what did he do? He's poured his Holy Spirit out on all flesh. And we are now temples of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is, the, this is the gospel. So when Jesus left, he left us to look after each other in his name, according to his ways. He's asked, he's asked and he's tasked us to do a job. Now, we're not Jesus. We're not the Good Samaritan, but we've been tasked to do something what, on his behalf. See, the innkeeper, the innkeeper doesn't have a name, doesn't get a lot of credit in this story. Why? Because the innkeeper was paid to do a task for the Good Samaritan. See, the Lord has paid the price. And he's given you gifts. He's given you talents and he's asking you to do a task on his behalf until he returns. He's asked you to take care of his patience until he returns. He's given, us a, he's given us these abilities, he's given us these talents, he's given us you know, capacity, he's given us finance, he's given us land and spaces and all these different things. But he's also saying, he's given us things. He gave, remember, he gave two denarii and he says, if it costs you more than that, I'll return and pay you in full. So sometimes what God's requiring of you is more than you've actually got to offer. He's saying, don't worry, do it anyway. And when I come back, I will pay you in full. Not only will he pay us in full, he'll take us to glory with him. We are the innkeepers, church. We are the innkeepers until Christ returns. And that's where the hope resides. The hope is in his return. Titus 2, you know, 11 to 30, you know, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to who? To all men teaching us that deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live what? Soberly, righteously and something in this present world, and then what? Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearance of who? Our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. The hope is in his return. The innkeeper's like, I've got this wounded guy sitting in front of me and I've got two denario. I hope he comes back soon. But... What does the innkeeper do? We've got no idea. It's a parable. But, you know, but the, the realities are, what are we going to do when we're at the end of ourselves? When you get to the end of yourself, when you're helping someone else, when you're in the church, when you're looking after one another, what do you do? You say, I hope the Lord comes quickly. But guess what? In, and that hope is the sustenance for you to give beyond your capacity. 
See, in Jesus' absence, we are his hands, we are his body, we are his hands, his feet, we are his warmth, we're his embrace. So we gather at the inn, the church, we bind up the broken, we anoint the wounded, we feed the hungry, and we give love to the unlovable. All the while anticipating the return of the Good Samaritan, the return of Jesus, because that's where hope resides. Hope res- doesn't reside in the, man's, in the wounded man's strength. Hope resides in the return of the Good Samaritan. Consider this too, though, as we were at the beginning, you are also the wounded man. So we're the innkeeper and the wounded man at the same time, which causes a bit of a problem. Causes a bit of a problem when we're wounded healers. And God's saying, you, you, you know, while you're living, you're going you're to carry some wounds, but I'm also asking you to tend to others at the same time. So we must never forget, and I think there's, there's a, the beauty of, of giving and receiving at the same time is there's a humility attached to it. Because you're not giving out of your strength, you're giving out of his strength. And those wounds that Jesus poured his blood out for, he's asking us to trust him with this morning. Will you trust the Lord with your wounds? And the hard part is, is when you trust the Lord with your wounds, you're trusting the rest of the church with your wounds. Because he's left us with each other, unfortunately. The hardest problem is to to receive the love of Jesus. You've got to receive the love of a brother or sister. And consider what happens. Ask, Ask yourself this question. If I don't allow these wounds to be healed, what will happen to those people around me? I don't know about you, but... it. Anywhere I have a wound, if you poke it, you get a different version of Josh. And I apologise for that version. But the more we spend time with one another, the more we consider one another, the more we're honest with one another, the more we have truth-telling about our own wounds and about our own brokenness, we're releasing those to be healed. Because God's called us be the innkeeper. He's paid us. He's paid us and said, look after one another until I return. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes. And sometimes you get to the end of yourself and you go, look, the Lord gave me some gifts and some talents, but I'm at the end of those right now. He's going, don't worry if he costs you a little bit more than what I've given you. It's okay because when I come back, I will fully repay you. In fact, what? I've reserved an inheritance for you. In heaven. Isn't it amazing what the law could not do because, it's, because of its rigidity, you know, its incapacity to show compassion? God, through his compassion, we ask himself the question, what will happen to humanity if I don't send the good Samaritan? What will happen to humanity if I don't send my son? 
And so he pours out his blessing, he pours out his favour, he pours out his compassion. Ask yourself this question this morning. What are you saying to me right now, Lord? See, the Lord wants to do business with your heart right now. The Lord wants to do business with your life. He wants to do business. He might be saying to you, it's time to do some truth-telling to yourself. It's time or it's time to actually be the innkeeper and look after someone else. See, sometimes there's seasons, sometimes we're too wounded to, be, to look after someone else, so we need to submit ourselves. Sometimes we're the, the wounded guy, sometimes we're the innkeeper. Sometimes we're both. I want to pray for you this morning. But I'd love it if you asked the Lord that question, because he wants to minister to us. He wants to, he wants to minister to us in those questions. What will happen to me if I don't release these wounds for the healing of the Lord? What will happen to them if I don't tend to their wounds? Father, we come before you this morning and we ask that you give us a clarity of where we are in this story where we are in, in, in relation to this certain wounded man and to this innkeeper, Lord. Help us to see those areas of our lives that you're requiring us to surrender to you. Help us to see those others in and around our lives that you've called us to tend to their wounds, to bind up the broken, to pour salve on the wounds to embrace, to show compassion to. We're so grateful, Father, that you sent your son. We lift up your mighty name right now and give you all the glory and all the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.